0: There needs to be light. And when Jesus broke into first century Jerusalem and Bethlehem and Rome, I mean, it was a land of darkness. And we live in many ways with darkness all over the place. But the light that Jesus broke in with is the same light that he brings to us today. And Jesus says in John 8, he says that I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So if I walk in Jesus, then I walk in light and I have with me the light of life. And you know, one of the things we talk about regularly here is God raising up a firefly army where we are together receiving the light of Jesus. And then wherever it is that we go, we embody the light of Jesus and bring the light of Jesus with us. And so this series, Lighten Up, really has to do with when we look at this light that has pierced into the darkness. That is, it, it brings with it all sorts of things. Jesus brings with him many different kinds of light. Just, there's like, there's many forms of darkness. You know, at Tenebrae, we have candles sitting up on this altar table on uh, Good Friday and what if you'll if you remember the service what we talk about is the different levels of darkness that Jesus has to face and each one of those candles being extinguished represents a different kind of darkness if we had enough weeks um, what I would do was parallel exactly the opposite of that for advent as far as what light br- Jesus brings and so today you'll find that one of the w- one of the readings from tenebrae I hope to 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 read this morning um, is about the darkness of injustice. But today, we're talking about the the light of justice that Jesus brings. And so in, in all the different darkness that squeezes our hearts and squeezes our culture and squeezes our world, Jesus instead comes and invades that with full confidence in the strength and the authority of God to bring something very different. Hope, joy, peace. Grace, justice, salvation. You know, he brings something very, very different. And so that's what we're going to be focusing on. And we focus on what it is that Jesus brought when he came in the first advent. But we also recognize that the advent of Christ is something that is consistent via the church. This is what he says is that we now are the light of the world, and we're to shine like stars in the universe, is what we're told in Philippians, that uh, we now take that light of Jesus, and among us that light of Jesus goes out, which means that the light of justice wasn't something that just uh, emerged in our world 2,000 years ago and then disappeared when Jesus ascended into heaven. What happened was is that when Jesus came back in the form of the Holy Spirit and filled his church – He fills the church with all that same hope and with all that same light. And so what we hope in this series is as we focus on the topics of the light of Christ, that we're um, picturing how it is that Jesus' justice transforms not just first century Jerusalem, but how it transforms our lives and our culture today. And, And how it changes my life and how it can change the world around us as we truly believe that Jesus is moving still here now. And that he's alive and he can move in that way. So... Um, that's what the series is about, and uh, but particularly today, we're going to be talking in terms of justice, uh, the light of justice. It's the first one that we're talking about, and I would like us to read a couple verses together, um, Isaiah chapter 42. When it comes to messianic prophecy, when it comes to prophecies about the Messiah, you know, they're all over the Old Testament. There's no place where there's more prophecy about the Messiah, obviously, than Isaiah. If you were to look up the word justice... Um, and uh, look up throughout the scriptures where the word justice emerges. Most of the time, very often um, in the Old Testament, when there was a uh, prophecy about the Messiah, you won't find the word justice very far from that passage. That, that Every time that the, the Messiah is mentioned, most of the time that the Messiah is mentioned in the Old Testament, uh, justice is one of the primary descriptors. He will bring justice. He will reign with justice. Justice and righteousness will be the foundation of his throne. That uh, there's a this big sense of justice. Isaiah very much talks about that, and so we're going to look here at Isaiah chapter 42, and we're going to start, uh, and we're going to go just read the first four verses, and I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please, in honor of God's word. <clears throat> This is going to be talking, just before I get started, I just want to let you know, this is obviously talking about the Messiah. Okay, so this is written about Jesus long, long before Jesus lived. Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. blessing to the reading of his word you can have a seat let's pray <clears throat> father I was so grateful for um, our service together last week and um, so many people shared about great things that were going on and we were able to agree together with you about things that um, that uh, we were asking of you and the responses to that have been really special um, and so we thank you for the reminder Last week, as a body together of your presence with us um, and among us and all over, like to hear one person say one thing and another person say another thing, it it encouraged me and it encouraged many of us with the sense of your presence working among us, and we thank you for that, God. I just ask that uh, uh, right now, um, as this Christmas season comes, that God you would begin to birth again in us all of the uh, of the truth of who it is that you are and the faith that we can have in you and the power that we can have as you dwell among us, God. And so we're asking that you would inform us and you would educate us, you would encourage us, you'd bless us as you remind us of who you are and how you work among us. And we'll thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, Justice, I was asking, uh, I had a conversation with my boys the other day about this, and I said, uh, do you know... Um, What's just? What do you think of when you think of justice? And one of my boys said, "Well, that's a little girl's clothing store." <laughs> and I was like, I, "I didn't even know that. Wow, <laughs> that's not what I was thinking of." But it was funny. We had a great laugh about it. It was a good moment. Um, justice defi- is defined um, in, a, in a number of ways, but if you look at a bunch of different dictionaries, there's two uh, definitions. Uh, two basic threads about the definitions. One has to do with the governmental system, and one has to do with a paradigm through which you view the world. So I'll give you two of those definitions, one um, that uh, speaks to each one. So the first, when it comes to uh, viewing the world in justice, seeing justice in the world has to do with the quality of being fair, reasonable, righteous, moral, or equitable. Okay, so if I'm viewing the world in a way that's moral, in a way that's fair, in a way that has righteousness and and morality to it. If I'm seeing God's people as equal, you know, if I'm seeing God's creation as equal, if I'm not using impartiality, if I'm seeing the world in that way, then that is justice. That's a framework, a mindset, a philosophy or perspective of justice. The second one is the administering of deserved punishment or reward. The administering of deserved punishment or reward. This is what a just judge is all about, right? So the justice system has to do with here's the law, the legal system. We take the law and we see what happened and then we reward or punish people based on what it is to happen. Now, what I'd like to, to look at for just a minute today is the fact that those two things, things—they're a judge trying to figure out what to do in a moment based on the law, is one form of justice. The other form of justice is how we all view the world, if we view it with justice. Those two things interacting together can make things very confusing. And let me explain what I mean. If uh, <clears throat> if we have certain rules in the house about how a child should act and how they should communicate, if it's the end of the day and we've kept that child up long past their bedtime, And they haven't eaten because we've been doing all sorts of things, so they're really hungry and really tired. Now what happens when they don't perfectly submit to the standards of our home? Now we find ourselves in a situation where are we consistent with the same measure of retribution (laughs) based on that behavior? Or is there uh, a broader understanding of justice that says, well, we weren't kind of playing by the normal rules, so there's a little bit of leniency in this. And so the justice of having to administer punishment or reward based on the law versus a philosophy of being fair and equitable and all of that, there's that balance. This happens in the school system all the time. What do you do with a child who has a really, really broken home where there's no support at home? And you're trying to help this child mature and grow and learn And yet the expectation in the school system is that you would hope that there's something happening at home that's helping this child develop. How does a teacher deal with it when they have some children who are at home who without much effort have parents helping them and everything and can kind of like almost twiddle their thumbs and get through, and then other kids who have zero support. Now, how do you deal in any given situation with behavior, with academics? It's a very difficult thing to figure out what justice looks like in that moment. You understand what I'm saying, right? And, and of course, in our world right now, on a on a much bigger scale, we have the same the same issues when it comes to deal dealing with social injustices. When it comes to dealing with human trafficking. When it comes to deal dealing with. Uh, terrorism, and uh, when it comes to dealing with a child who has been horribly abused at home and uh, and has been uh, uh, spoken inappropriately about at school, and then he comes in angry to school that day and says something, how do we deal with that child? Because there's the threat of that child potentially doing something destructive to a school. And yet we also are trying to be aware of the injustices that have already been performed to that child. So, uh likewise, you know, um, with the Ferguson case right now, Michael Brown, you can't talk ab- we can't t- talk about injustice in our world right now and not have our minds most likely uh, uh, turn to the current state of, you know, there's riots in and protests that are happening in different cities across our nation because of one trial that one judge has to decide on. And what we hope for is that, that any given judge in the judicial system in America can make a decision that is just based on the evidence that they have according to the law. And that's one form of justice. And we hope and pray that our governing authorities will perform their job well according to the law and according to the evidence that they have in order to, to continue to move forward with our justice system as a place that protects us. But that is only one form of justice. There's a whole deeper form of justice that is not just about a judge deciding what to do. It's about how a society deals with people and how a culture views people. And what makes something like this Ferguson case um, such an explosive thing is that there's this time, there's this, there's this place where we have a philosophical and sociological issue, a cultural issue of how certain races and cultures have clashed and meshed, and there's history about that, and there's all sorts of very complicated things about how people have dealt with each other. And then you have one judge trying to make a decision about a very simple matter, so to speak, about uh, uh, this, this thing that seems like it should be simple, right? But then it's not simple, because it touches on a much larger issue that is not a simple one, that is rooted deep in our culture. And so if we're dealing with racism and social injustice, but then you're also dealing with a judge who has to make a decision according to the law in a moment based on a specific situation, that's where you get into this crazy moment where there are riots and there are all sorts of things because you have a child who stayed up late because parents had them stay up late and they didn't have anything to eat. And yet the law clearly says that if you talk back to your parent or you whine in this way, that there are consequences for that. And then we say, oh boy, we find ourselves in a complicated situation because if we handle this this way, when there's been all this background, then what happens, right? Right? And that's the, the, the situation we find ourselves in. Jesus is the hope. <laughs> okay, I, I I don't think there's a person in this world who envies a judge having to deal with a situation where, that's racially charged. You know, and when it comes to how to deal with the clash of cultures and and, and racism that's been historic in our country, and who knows exactly how to deal with all of that? There's all sorts of people with all sorts of ideas and theories about that. But you certainly don't envy the person who has to be just in one given situation that touches on a culture of all of that. All that's to say that justice is not just a simple idea of I have to do the right thing in a moment. Justice can be very complicated to figure out what is the right thing in the moment. What is being fair and equitable? How do you figure all that out? How do you figure that out with how I spend my money, with how I think about uh, the exchange of goods when it comes to those who are poor in our, in our world and how we're caring for them? And did I, How did I get the opportunities that I got? And they didn't get the opportunities that I got. And how do I be fair with that? Who knows all the answers to that? But this is where the gospel of Jesus comes in. And we see it when Jesus comes to earth, that he comes with justice. And what this means is, is that Jesus and the gospel of Jesus, not only is Jesus able to make good decisions and judge things fair according to uh, 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 the law, the law of God and the morality of God, but Jesus is also able to see all the inequity that has existed. And that's why Jesus says, to whom much is given, Ah, that's justice. See, justice isn't just about here's the law. Those who stick with it, that's what happens. Justice is also, to those who have been given much, much is required. There's a sliding scale in the justice system of God. <laughs> and that's, there is morality that doesn't change. Morality is morality. Truth is truth. Truth. But then there's also the wisdom of God at play in the justice system. And, you know, one of the the most just judges that we understand throughout history is, of course, one of the men who was called the wisest man in all of history, who was King Solomon. And we saw him as a judge do a spectacular job, didn't we? Uh, Being able to figure out what people's motivations were, where they were coming from, what the situation is. He was contextualizing all of these things. But God, the thing that happens with Jesus is, is that you find that Jesus is looking not just about what's the right thing and how does everyone do the right thing, but Jesus is also thinking how do we help people do the right thing. Not just how do we judge people based on where they've done the wrong thing, but how do we help people fall in line with the way God has designed things, and that's a deeper form of justice. And the power of the gospel has the ability to address both of those things. It has the ability to address the the kind of judicial nature of the law and the failure within it, and it also has the ability to transform and bring a deeper level of justice into society. So there's two ways that the gospel does this. First of all, there is uh, substitutionary atonement. And uh, what's substitutionary atonement? Anybody know what atonement is? is all about that word? What was that, Charlie? Mercy. It has to do with mercy. And what's the form of mercy? How does that happen? Atonement. Anybody know what that word means? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, an atoning sacrifice is a sacrifice offered on behalf of something else. Substitutionary atonement means that there is a a legal requirement... That there is justice requires that there is punishment. So a just judge will not allow us to get away with things. Justice requires, there has to be law and there has to, and justice requires that there's punishment based on violation of the law. So if maybe you've heard me say this before um, in terms of our sin. If if I stand before the judge and I rob the bank and I have a whole bunch of money um, and I come back with the money and I hand it to the judge and I say, I'm sorry, are we good? We're not good, right? We're not okay because there has to be actual punishment for the crime that was committed or else the justice system is gone and there's no fear, in there and there has to be fear there's supposed to be fear an appropriate level of fear that's what justice is all about that there will be recompense for this okay and so the but sacrificial atonement substitutionary atonement says that i'm not the one paying for my crime that jesus is the one paying for my crime and so that's, you've probably heard the analogy that the lawyer is Jesus, and he's my advocate. And he says, yes, this is justice, and he doesn't try to defend me against what it is that I've done. Instead, he claims with me, he says, if you will plead guilty, if you confess your sins, then he is, fa- then the judge, Father God, is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and the way that that happens is because our lawyer our advocate jesus comes on behalf of our sins and says i will take the punishment and i will take the punishment this is very very important because a picture of mercy and forgiveness that doesn't require substitutionary atonement bypasses justice and we need justice in society and we and in order to maintain justice in society we actually have to believe that god is just And if God lets sin go unpunished, then God is no longer just. So that's what substitutionary atonement is about. This has been the gospel that we've understood. Most of us have understood and 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 we could recite this form of the gospel. We could say that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is not one righteous, no not one. Each man has gone his own way. The wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we could all say like think through that process and say, yes. There is the righteous requirements of God. There's the justice of God. That is the foundation of his throne. We violated that in sin. There deserves punishment. Jesus is a substitutionary atonement. That not only satisfies the wrath of God, but it also does something very important to me. It satisfies the justice meter that God put inside of me because I was made in the image of God. And if that justice meter inside of my heart and inside of my mind, my conscience is guilty... Then I will find myself completely self focused and either self medicating or trying to self improve. And I'll never get to loving another individual because I'll be obsessed with trying to get the balances the the, the scales balanced in my life. And so substitutionary atonement not only satisfies the, the justice of God, but it also can help me get to a place of peace and rest where I don't have to figure out how to get better anymore, right? And so that's justice being fulfilled. So when Jesus comes with the light of justice, he offers justice to God in one way, and he also offers justice to our heart to satisfy our need for justice by becoming our substitutionary atonement. That is one thing that the gospel offers when it comes to justice, but it is by no means the only thing that it offers when it comes to justice. Because remember, the one form of justice is about a judge putting out, rewarding or punishing according to how we've handled the law. But there's a whole other form of justice, which has to do with are we dealing with equity, with fairness? Are we dealing with righteousness? So, is the gospel strong enough not just to satisfy the wrath of God and to satisfy the justice in my heart in order that I can have the scales balanced? But is the gospel of Jesus Christ strong enough to actually change my paradigm and the paradigm of those around me so that I can think and function in a way that that's just that's power in other words can he bring justice in a culture justice in a people can he transform hearts and minds to make us function in the form of justice and there's this spectacular thing that Jesus does where with the the Holy Spirit of course the primary fruit of the Holy Spirit when when uh, his presence comes and fills us what is it that the Holy Spirit produces in our life Love, yeah, the fruits of the Spirit, first of which is love, which means that I actually am getting to the place where there is a justice forming inside of me that says, this isn't just about me, this is about this person who's hurting. And my eyes begin to move from my own needs to the needs of others, which is the seed, the foundation, the birthplace of justice. Of true justice, again, is not just You did this, so you deserve this. Or you didn't do this, so you deserve this. True justice says we are all, have been given different things. And for me to act fairly and just is to understand I have been given much. Therefore, I must give much. By grace, I live. By grace, I exist. So therefore, I should live graciously. And my eyes should be looking and scanning to see how it is that I can bless those who need blessing. This is why, here's the big deal about justice. This is the big. This is why um, the scriptures do not require of people just to comply with the idea of justice. There's like the idea of, are we doing things right or are we doing things wrong? If we just say, God, I want to comply and be a just person and do the right thing. That's compliance to justice. We are not called as Christians, as believers, as followers of God, to comply with justice. We are called to seek justice. That's a whole different thing. That means that if I'm a follower of Jesus, my eyes are roaming around the world trying to figure out where things are unjust, where things are unfair, and how can I help. That's seeking justice. So if you look at Isaiah 1, 15 to 17. Mike, that's one of the ones we have. There it is. So, this is in Isaiah, again, this whole book talks about the Messiah coming and about what it is that he's bringing. And this is what he says When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes and cease to do evil and learn to do good. Now, first of all, I want to ask you something. It says wash yourselves. Can we completely wash ourselves? No. Remember that whole moment where um, Jesus is washing Peter's feet and Peter's freaking out. And, and he's saying, no way. And, and then Jesus says, unless you let me wash you, you're not going to be okay. And then he's like, well, then wash all of me. And he said, you're already clean. I've already washed you. Now I just need to wash your feet. There's like the big washing that Jesus does. And then there's the momentary washing. And that's why, and like a husband is called to wash his wife in the water of the word where we refine each other and bless each other by the washing. We need cleansing and that happens from the Lord and it happens from each other. It also happens from ourselves being washed by reading the word and and things like that. But it says, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. We needed the gospel to wash us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So our response here, when it says, I'm not going to hear your prayers, you can lift up your hands and you can pray, but I'm not going to hear them because your hands are covered with blood. And what this means is, is we're not thinking in terms of justice. We're just getting what's ours. And whoever's in the way, it doesn't really matter. I'm not thinking about how my actions or my desires are affecting other people. I'm just going after getting what I want. And in the process of that, I ended up with blood on my hands. And now I'm praying and asking for things from God. And he's kind of like, I'm not going to hear that because you actually need to be washed and cleansed. The gospel initially offers us a cleansing and a washing. That's that judicial system where he cleanses and washes us. And it says that he's going to change us and help us to do good. But then it goes on. In verse 16. And it goes beyond that. It says. Remove the evil deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. And then here's where it it goes further. It says. I want you to watch the, um, the verbs here. Okay. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherlessness. And plead the widow's cause. Those are words where there is action required. And where it understands that, that this isn't something that just happens by compliance. This isn't just like, okay, I, I just have to watch and make sure that I don't get out of line and I comply with what it is. Because, no, these are words that require actual pursuit. So I have to pursue something. I have to seek justice. I have to plead for the, the cause of, of the widow and so there's I have to bring justice. This is an act, an action. I'm stepping out beyond my normal space, and I'm, I have to set my gaze on a mission and go after it. And when it comes to justice, what God is calling us toward is not just simply to fit within his legal system, but he's calling us to embody his heart and to be one who looks and says, where can I help? And we pursue it. I think this is a really important point in this sense. When it comes to a Ferguson trial, there's a lot of people who have a lot of opinions about what should or shouldn't be happening. I'm not the judge in that situation, and I didn't have to make a decision by the grace of God. What I do have to do, and what each of us who are a follower of Christ have to do, is we have to look at a situation like that And at the situations in my life. And we have to say, where is there injustice? God, show me where there's injustice. Reveal to me where things aren't okay. Where not everyone has the same fair shake. Reveal to me what your heart is and what your perspective is. And teach me about that. I want to seek it. I want to know. I want to understand so that in my own life and in my own interactions, I can be and reveal something very different than what our culture might reveal. And instead of just having a clash of who's who and what who thinks what, instead, what my desire is is, God, I want your perspective on this thing, and I want to pursue what it is that you want me to pursue. When I was asking the boys about justice, one of the kids said it was little girl's store. The other one thought of the League of Justice. You know what the League of Justice is, right? That's the Justice League. That's the, the superheroes. You know, comic strip superheroes. This is Superman, you know, the League of Justice. And there's, in, in, in the in the world of fantasy, uh, of comics, you know, there's this understanding that the greatest good is those who seek justice for those who are oppressed, protecting those who are defenseless against that vicious villain, you know. And so evil will seek to hurt these people, and and so I'm going to come in and defend them that pulls on a very basic cord of humanity the reason those things sell is because most little boys like a little girl who would grow up uh, 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 watching a princess movie and and seeing the beauty of all of that a little boy who can think about being superman who can say like i want to i want to be a hero you know, and heroics, in our world, it's easy to base them on a common human desire to see justice and protection for those who would be oppressed. And we can agree about that even if even if it's someone who's not reading the Bible. It's deep within the DNA of the majority of humanity that we actually believe that there is some form of justice. And, and, and it gets all tweaked and messed up because of all the different stuff. And yet there's something inside of us that says justice needs to prevail and there needs to be those who are willing to lay down their life and sacrifice their life in order to defend people from the evil that would oppress them. Of course, most of the time in those comic strips, it's all about ego-driven uh, justice people, you know, hero for this, you know, whatever. And we watch those who lay down their life, but it's all it kind of pulls on the ego. But we do know that there are true heroes in our world who perform justice, who seek justice. And you know, there are those who have laid down their life for the betterment of others. Many who have done that. But there is only one who has ever done it completely. And he has done it from the day he was born to the day he died. He spent his whole life seeking for those who were hurting. Figuring out how he could help them. His eyes roamed across his culture and his world, looking for those who were the cultural markers of the outcasts. And he goes, and where everyone else walks around the street, he walks right down that street, and he finds them, and he looks at them, and he puts his arm around them, and he says, Zacchaeus, you're coming to my house today. And I'm going to your house today. (laughs) And he says to the, the thief on the cross today, You will be with me in paradise. And he finds the little child who's being pushed away. And he says, get over here. Don't push them away. And Jesus walks over to the leper who's the literal outcast. And he touches the leper. That is justice. That's what it is. It's justice. It's saying, all men are created equal. All men have sinned. (laughs) And who am I? I am not the judge. But what I am is I have the one who can perform and faithfully administer justice living within me. And so Jesus seeks his whole life to walk out justice. And then there's the moment, of course, when all of injustice hits him. And you remember this right here. This is the reading from Tenebrae. The fourth candle that we extinguish at Tenebrae is the darkness of injustice. And this is the reading. It says, and what of justice? How is the life lived in perfection rewarded? How will the law reward a life of selfless love and devotion? How will leaders respond to a model citizen? They will never see him. Instead, they will cower in fear of the ruthless and cold-hearted. Without a thought, They will sacrifice the lives of love to save their own skin. And so, Pontius Pilate, the mighty, flaunts his fear of the powerless religious whiners. He condemns our Savior and his God to hang on the cross of cruelty. Where is justice? Justice rests in the arms of God. Christ trusted his Father's justice, but died because of men's injustice. Here, in the land of men, justice is hard to find. So like a lamb, he went. He went into the arms of the unjust in order to fulfill justice for their sake. Amen? That is awesome. Absolutely spectacular picture of Jesus. This is where I want to end. It takes great intentionality to live within justice. We don't have the ability to be just on our own. We tend to be self-consumed and see only ourselves. We tend to think that everyone else has the same perspective or privilege that we do. And we fail to see from other people's perspective very easily. Justice is not something easy to just manufacture in my own life. But what I can do is be with Jesus. You see, there's this awesome passage in Habakkuk and in Romans, and in Hebrews. And it says, the just shall live by faith. If I will be just, it will only be because I am depending on God. And if I will act in justice, it will require faith of me. Because in a world that's based on greed at times, and individualism, and segregation, and all of that, if I will act in a way that actually performs justice it will require faith of me and I'll never even see it if I don't first have faith and depend on God and ask him to lead me so this is why Jesus says this so as you've done to the least of these you have done unto me This is why at the end, when there's the judgment, what he says is he puts all the sheep over here and all the goats over here. And the sheep, they say, when did we see you thirsty and give you a cup of water? And he says, so as you've done to the least of these, you've done unto me. And the goats over here say, when did we see you hurting and we didn't take care of you? I was there in the poor and the needy and you never saw me. This isn't a work salvation. This isn't him judging us based on our works. It is indicative of whether or not we are depending on Jesus. Because if we will go with Jesus and see through the eyes of Jesus, then we will see him all over the place. And if we will depend on him, then the justice of Jesus will reveal itself in my life. It's not that I go and perform acts of justice in order to prove something to God. It's that as I learn to pray and say, God, show me justice. I seek justice with you. He will reveal it to me. And then he will tell me how to help and care. And when I do, it will require faith. And the just will live by faith. Justice is very, very complicated. But Jesus is really simple. And my job is to seek Christ. And in so doing, he will lead us into all justice. He invaded this world with the light of justice And he will do it again. I believe 100% that if we, his followers, will seek him, that he will help transform not just my view of myself in light of God because of the atonement, but he will also help me become a real player in things that matter in social justice. (laughs) That I will actually care about people who are oppressed because Jesus does. That I will carry with me the heart of compassion for those who have less. Because Jesus did. And I will walk with power to transform strongholds in our culture. Because the gospel is powerful to break down the strongholds of the enemy with injustice. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the fact that your justice is pervasive. That your justice is strong. That your throne is built on the foundation of justice and righteousness. God, there are, there are legends of superheroes who will do anything for injustice, but there is only one who lays down his life being completely unjustly treated for the sake of justice. Man, you are a faithful judge and a loving king. We trust you and ask that your justice would swell up within us, invade our culture, and change our world. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.